Tuesday morning and the Locked On Syracuse train rolls on. Will Frank Anselm succeed in his new home? Plus, we hit the recruiting trail. What does a Syracuse basketball offer mean right now for tomorrow? And we circle back to the coveted class of 2022. We start the first of many in our series of superlatives. Today, I'm going to tell you which class of 2022 commit will surprise you the most. All that and more on Locked on Syracuse. Let's go. You are Locked on Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, all right, all right. Locked on Syracuse, Brad Klein, the host, the voice of the people, back and better than ever. Who's excited? Raise your hand. I am. A lot to get to here on this Tuesday morning. We're going to talk all Syracuse basketball the entire time. So, if you're a Syracuse football fan, I'm doing you a favor. (laughs) There's not much going on in terms of good news. Yeah, they had two undrafted free agents, and Josh Black is going to Bears and Saints camp. Congratulations. No. Right now, May is Syracuse basketball season. And let's start with Frank Anselm here. We talked yesterday about what Anselm's transfer means to the program. Not a surprise. Frank Anselm not happy with his role going to Georgia. Good for him. He has every right. Doesn't have to sit out a year. I wasn't surprised when he entered the portal. And I was certainly not surprised when I heard Georgia out of the portal. Makes sense. Anselm with his athleticism... You would think he wants to stay in the major college basketball scene. Didn't necessarily have to be a Power 5, but it made sense that it was because he's a Power 5 athlete. You think of a guy like Robert Braswell who transfers to Charlotte. Okay. I don't know if Robert Braswell is a Power 5 athlete. Doesn't mean that he can't succeed in the Power 5. But... Anselm's ceiling is exponentially higher than a guy like Braswell's, so it makes sense. Okay. Now the question is, will he succeed at Georgia? Now, for Syracuse basketball fans, doesn't really matter, but we're all interested, right? We're all interested. I don't know if anyone is ashamed to admit that occasionally you go on basketball reference and type in the name Bryson Goodine. You type in the name Jalen Carey. I know everyone out there is typing in Kadari Richmond to see what he's doing at Seton Hall. So let's go back and look at these guys together to see if Frank Anselm will succeed at Georgia. Now, first of all, they're different players. I get it. Different guys. So it's hard to compare Frank Anselm to his predecessors in the portal from Syracuse, but that's all we have to go off of. And I think it's worth it because Anselm chose to transfer to a major college basketball program. In this case, a Power 5. The two successful transfers off the top of my head, you want to go a few years back and then contemporary, a few years back being B.J. Johnson, turns LaSalle into a free agent deal with an NBA team and then G League NBA. Robert Braswell is the contemporary. We're going to... Kick, uh, kick the rocks on Kadari Richmond for a second. Robert Braswell is the contemporary example. Plays about 20 minutes a game for Charlotte. Gets a few starts. 
scores a few more baskets per game. That's what he wanted. He just wanted to start, just wanted to play. So he got what he wanted. But there are so many examples of departed Syracuse basketball players who do not get what they wanted. In fact, they get far less than what they already had. The age-old saying, you don't know what you have until you lose it. Well, tell that to Woody Newton. Former four-star, another guy, uber-athletic. He stays in the Power Five, leaving Syracuse. Oklahoma State, taking over for Cade Cunningham, right? Well, less playing time, fewer points, fewer rebounds last year. Quincy Garrier, oh my God. What a disaster for Quincy Garrier. Going to Oregon, four fewer points, three fewer rebounds, played six and a half fewer minutes per game. And what's worse is that he actually played more of a center role. That's exactly what he was trying to avoid. He wanted to shoot more. He wanted to expand his game more, play in open space, show off his handle. And they had him playing inside. Jalen Carey at Rhode Island. Five points per game at Rhode Island. Yay! (laughs) I mean, yeah, he scored two or three at Syracuse, and now he has five. Bryson Goodine at Providence averaged 1.9 points per game in his freshman year at Syracuse. He's still scoring less at Providence, still without a collegiate start. So many examples of Syracuse basketball transfers falling flat on their you-know-what. And I don't know if it's because Jim Beheim is just that good. I don't know if he's putting the kibosh on his guys. But... The history is not on Frank Anselm's side. That being said, Anselm did transfer, and he should have. I would have. Because Anselm wants to start. And he might start at Georgia. He's going to compete for a starting role. We'll see. Nothing's handed out, especially to a guy like Anselm, who hasn't proven much. But he has a chance. He doesn't have a chance at Syracuse. Edwards is too good. Jim Beheim said that Jesse Edwards is one of the best centers in the nation. He said that last year. Is he exaggerating? Maybe. Is it coach speak? Maybe. Is there an element of truth? Yeah. He was that good. He was the ACC's most improved player before he got hurt. Take that to the bank. Straight from my words. ACC's most improved player. How, how do you compete with that if you're Frank Anselm? You don't. Now, Kadari Richmond, different story. Didn't start behind Joe Girard. We know the whole issue. Jim Beheim said, please let the door hit you on the way out. Started all but four games last year for the Pirates, did Richmond. A few more points, better performance, a little underwhelming considering the opportunity that, opportunity that Seton Hall gave him. But he will be back. He's supposed to be that upperclassman leader next year, and I think he's going to really break out. But it seems pretty clear that Richmond is the exception to the rule. Which is, for whatever reason... You don't do well when you leave Jim Beheim. You don't do well when you leave Syracuse. I don't think Frank Antelum is special. I think Kadari Richmond is special. We knew what he was capable of. Because when he was in the game, it was a different offense. It was a different team compared to Joe Girard. When Antelum's in the game, what do you... <laughs> See, this isn't complicated. You don't have to be an expert like me. <laughs> you don't have to be an expert. What do you feel when that player checks in? When Kadari Richmond checked in, you were on the edge of your seat. Hey, hey, turn it up. Richmond's on. 
And maybe that's because you just didn't like Joe Girard. You were celebrating Girard's departure from the floor as much as you were Richmond's entrance. What did you think when Frank Anselm laced up? I bet you were thinking, all right. Because <laughs> he didn't typically, typically embarrass himself. But he didn't steal the show. And if you're not watching closely, you might forget he's out there. He might get lost in the shuffle. And that is, unfortunately, very possible for Frank Anselm. He might get lost in the shuffle, just like Jalen Carey, Bryson Goodine, Quincy Garrier. Just like Woody Newton. It happens, unfortunately. By the way, this is the time of year I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. But have you tried the Puffs? If you, if you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best-tasting bars. Puffs are the first-ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. Yummy, cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. They're so good, and they're going to be your new favorite. At all built bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, puffs included, 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein, replace your candy bars with these. They're actually better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from 2 to 300 calories. Go to built.com, scroll down to the macros chart. You're going to be blown away, just like I was. High protein, low cal, high fiber, low carb. Most built bars, you've got 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, that's nothing, 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, usually that has, oh my god, 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond is my favorite, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. And if they think a flavor might be good, they're just going to make it. It will be delicious. It will be good for you. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. So they make it taste delicious first, then they figure out how to make it healthy. I don't know how. They pull it off every time. The offer, go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, so Frank Anselm, former four-star transfers from the program again good for him I sincerely want him to succeed I sincerely don't think he will big time and he's gonna be fine he'll be on the roster at Georgia he will be a plus but not a big plus it's not gonna hurt the team he will play a little I just don't think he's going to shine I don't think he's gonna take that step up that Syracuse basketball fans were waiting for for years two years Let's go to 2023 for a second. Four-star guard El Marco Jackson is, quote, in awe by the Syracuse offer he received. Cool. <laughs> so First of all, good for Syracuse to be on this kid. I think he has a lot of talent. I think he has a lot of potential. Maryland is really high on him. You look at 24-7 sports and a lot of the outlets, Maryland, Notre Dame, Cal, the Minnesota, these are the big programs in 
on Jackson right now, but he's a New Jersey kid, so you would think, okay, Syracuse has the upper hand. So good for them, but this isn't even really about El Marco Jackson because I was shocked when I saw this. Shocked. And maybe I shouldn't have been because, again, he is a New Jersey kid, so he's quote-unquote local. I mean, he's, what, four hours, five hours away, depending on where he is in New Jersey, where you are in traffic from Syracuse. But I was surprised that he is, quote, in awe by the Syracuse offer. Let's assume that he meant it. Let's assume it wasn't just something you say. Because I believe him. I believe that he actually means this. I don't understand why. The reason being, Syracuse hasn't been an awe-inspiring program in a very long time. Think about the last time they were supposed to be a national name. I say supposed to be because in 2016, they went to the Final Four. They weren't supposed to. They weren't a national name until March. And at the end of the day, that's all that counts. But it was, it was an antic. It was a sideshow. A really entertaining sideshow. A really fun interruption from what was an otherwise mediocre year. But they were a 10 seed. Let's call it what it is. Very cool. That's what it was. But it wasn't legit. 2013 was legit, and they didn't even make it to the Final Four like they did in 16. Tyler Ennis here. First year in the ACC. Number one seed. You win a bunch of games to start. You have all the talent, all the confidence, all the expectations in the world. End of the day, it didn't work out. But that's still a team that was a national brand. El Marco Jackson has been in New Jersey for the past few years, and he has not been watching 2013 one seeds. He's been watching 10 seeds. He's been watching 8 seeds. He's been watching NIT births. So why? Either El Marco Jackson is just saying that, or he has a really good memory. And I started the show by talking about, well, what does a Syracuse basketball offer mean right now? Class of 2022 is so interesting to me. And we're going to talk about them later. But it's, it's almost out of place. Like, think about what they had in 2021. Benny Williams, good recruit. Top 40 on ESPN's final rankings in 2021. But that, that was it. That was it. He was the only recruit of the class. And I don't care who you are. You have to be Carmelo Anthony to be the only recruit in the class to make it a good class. They've been mediocre after mediocre on the recruiting trail. They've been getting lucky occasionally with guys like Tyus Battle. They've been getting unlucky occasionally with guys like Malachi Richardson. But they haven't been well-rounded. They haven't been reliable like class of 2022 is projected to be. Maybe that's why Marco Jackson was in awe. And that's a big part of Syracuse's pitch. You read up on what Jackson was told and what he's been 
hearing from Jerry McNamara, the lead recruiter here. Hey, El Marco, here's why you should come to Syracuse. Here's how you're going to fit with our team that we're building right now. Don't look at what we've done. Look at what we're doing right now. Don't look at who we had last year. Don't worry about Cole Swider. Don't worry about Jimmy Beheim. Don't worry about Frank Anselm. Worry about Judah Mintz, Chris Bunch, a sophomore Benny Williams, an improved and already established Jesse Edwards, Justin Taylor, those guys. That's who we are, not what we were. So, when I ask, what does a Syracuse basketball offer mean right now? The answer is, right now, a lot. For very little reason. They haven't done anything yet. They haven't won many games. They missed the turn. Think about how crazy that is. Syracuse has, under Jim Beheim, statistically, the worst season in the Beheim era. And now we're saying that an offer means a lot. And it does. That's what's crazy about it. It's true. Because when you bring in a class like this, El Marco Jackson's listen. Because it's not just El Marco. It's not just this one kid. Like I said a few podcasts ago, the class of 2022 has the chance to completely change the perception of Syracuse basketball. Let me go one step further. The class of 2022 has already changed the perception of Syracuse basketball. That's the good news. The bad news is the class of 2022, if it's not great, if it's not what was promised, if it's just okay, guess what happens to that perception? It goes right back. If not, gets worse. Because now... Not only is Syracuse basketball the, in some people's eyes, the school that can't get the big recruits, because I don't care what number is next to your name. If you don't play well, it might as well just you might as well be unranked. If Judah Mintz isn't a good basketball player, it doesn't matter that he was a top 35 prospect. It just doesn't. So not only is Syracuse the school that can't get recruits, but in other people's minds, they're the school that wastes recruits. And that is not what makes El Marco Jackson in awe when Syracuse picks up the phone. But it's good news that El Marco Jackson is excited, indicates that other players might be excited. So that's good for Syracuse basketball. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and information. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So, talked a bit about Syracuse basketball in 2023. Talked about them in, well, right now with Frank Anselm leaving. Let's talk about next year, 2022. Starting, officially commencing the new series that we'll be doing the, for the next few days, call it a week. 
Class of 2022 superlatives. Projecting superlatives. And throughout the week, we're going to tell you, well, who's going to be the biggest disappointment? Who's going to... Who's the most likely to redshirt? We start on a positive note. Who will be the biggest surprise? I'm not going to go to, well, who's the best player? Judah Mintz is the best player. We all know that. We all think we know that. Who will be the biggest surprise? Well, let's think about this. Not Judah Mintz. Because no one would be surprised. Chris Bunch comes in with high expectations. Justin Taylor, I think, might be the most pro, well, pro, might be the most collegiate-ready player. Plug-and-play. Everyone's talking about how Peter Carey won't be ready. No one is talking about Malik Brown, and I think that's criminal. I think it's absolutely criminal. And here's why. The same reason that no one wants to talk about Peter Carey. Syracuse's center of the future, probably, maybe. Malik Brown is six foot nine, two ten, and is the most skilled rebounder on the team tomorrow. He's not even on the team. I mean, he's just not. If Syracuse basketball played a game tomorrow with the class of 2022 on the roster, he is the best rebounder on the team. Now, don't misconstrue my words. I'm not saying most effective. I'm saying best, most skilled. Now, those words do go a long way. It doesn't mean that he's a good rebounder. I don't know if he out-rebounds Jesse Edwards... But let's remember that it's not all about height here. Last year, Cole Swider was the leading rebounder on the team. I think Malik Brown, physically the most ready player. And it's wild to think that, right? He doesn't come in with all the hype. He's a three-star in a sea of four-stars. Why Malik Brown? His physicality. Why Malik Brown? He's going to play. Why is he going to play? Two reasons. One, style. Jim Bayheim doesn't have to draw anything up. He's not a dramatic player. He was averaging more than 15 points in his high school games, but his coach didn't draw up a single play for him in any games. All of his points coming from circumstance, putbacks, natural flow of the game. You don't have to say, oh, okay, guys, well, we're going to draw something up from Malik here. Everyone get out of the way. Iso ball, iso ball. That's not this player. So Jim Bayheim. Old school guy? Yeah, I think Malik Brown is going to be in Bayheim favor early. So you got that going for him. And then circumstance rotationally. Frank Anselm leaves. Quincy Ballard goes to Wichita State. And Jim Beheim says at his 23rd annual Jim and Julie Beheim basketball at Turning Stone Casino in Verona, New York. What does he say? In response to the question, what more does this team need? Beheim says nothing. 
Does that mean that he doesn't want another center? I don't know. I'm not going to speak for the man. I'd be surprised if he turned down another center considering he went to varsity with Quincy Ballard. He's obviously actively recruiting another center. But I think Bayheim is being picky. And I think he's being picky because he knows what he wants and he knows what he has. And when he says that this team doesn't need anything else... I don't think he's going to be shaking down every transfer tree under the sun looking for a guy that's six foot ten and above. If he doesn't like his center on the in the portal, he's not gonna take that center in the portal. He knows what he has, and what he has right now is Peter Carey, who is, in my opinion, not ready, probably gonna redshirt. And he has Jesse Edwards as the starting center, and after that, he's got Malik Brown. Malik Brown, six foot nine. Malik Brown, two hundred and ten pounds. Malik Brown, three star. Malik Brown slept on. He will be the backup center for Syracuse basketball if I had my way. I actually think it's good. I mean, honestly, you can make the argument that Jimmy Beheim was the most successful backup center that Syracuse had last year, and Jimmy was six foot eight, and Jimmy did not play like a center. Malik Brown does. Why not? Give the kid a shot. Besides, <laughs> Syracuse has no choice. They need to play him. They don't need to play Kadir Copeland. They hardly need to play Justin Taylor because they have other options. They have other options. They could play Joe Girard at the two, and Judah Mintz can be the one. Where does Justin Taylor fit in if Benny's the three and Bunch is the four or vice versa? You can flip that coin around. Why does Bunch need to play if Benny's playing and Justin Taylor's playing? Malik Brown needs to play. And that's why he's going to be the biggest surprise, because no one realizes how important Malik Brown will be to this team. I won't be surprised. I hope you won't either. After hearing the explanation, the rationale, I think there's a lot of it. But hey, that's just me. Come ACC time, the rotation's going to be set. Malik Brown is going to be a staple of that rotation. By the way, thanks for making Locked On Syracuse your first listen every day. Make Locked On ACC your second listen every day. Get all your daily ACC news in less than 30 minutes. Candace Cooper doing an outstanding job on Locked On ACC. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Salute, everyone. I'll see you tomorrow.